Okay, our scripture reading today is from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through, Christ, through Jesus Christ. That is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us the myster his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure, and this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything under he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Amen. Thank you, Ken. A friend of mine, fellow missionary in Kenya, East Africa, years ago, wrote a book by the title of The Insanity of God. And it was a book about how people go through persecution and yet remain faithful to their testimony in Christ and their faith in God. He wrote about, Nick Ripkin wrote about a fellow by the name of Dmitri in Russia who was put in prison a thousand kilometers away from his family because he had preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. They put him in prison. They tortured him. His cell, it is said, was so small that when he got out of the bed, the short bed he was on, he could take one step in every direction and be against the wall. His cell was damp, not just small, but damp. And in fact, there was a leak in the building that flowed down one of the pillars that made up the corner of his wall. And in the winter, it would turn into a solid sheet of ice. But that preacher of the gospel maintained his testimony the entire time that he was in prison. His testimony was that there were two habits that he formed that helped him endure the persecution. One, is, one of those was that he would arise at daybreak every morning and he would raise his hands and sing a song of praise to his Savior, Jesus Christ. It was, he called it his heart song. Same, the 
he sang the same song every morning of his imprisonment. There were 1,500 prisoners in that prison with him. He was the only Christian there. When he got up at daylight and began to face the east through what he could see of his, the window in his cell, and, and began to sing, Tim, they would take their metal cups and bang against the bars. They would shout at him angrily because he was disturbing what little peace they had. But every single morning, he sang his harp song of praise to his Savior. The other habit that he said he had developed early in his life was memorizing the Scriptures. And he had no Bible, but occasionally in walking the courtyard during the brief times they let him out into the prison courtyard, he would find a giblet of paper. And when he did, he would take a piece of coal or anything he could find to write with and write out the scriptures that he, would, he had memorized. Even if it was just a small piece of paper, he could get at least a verse on that piece of paper. And he would go to that wall, that wet wall, and stick it against the wall. And of course it was wet, so it just stayed there. He would post that verse on the wall. Somewhere along the way, they tried to convince him. They were always trying to convince him to swear not, never to preach the Word of God again, and he could go home if he would just swear he would never preach the Word of God again. And somewhere along the way, they convinced him that they had killed his family. They were all dead. He had nothing else to go back to. He did not believe them. He continued his routine one day, Corey, he was walking in the courtyard, and it was a miracle. There was a full sheet of paper there laying on the ground. I'd say letter size, but it was A4, for those of you who know what that is. Um, and there was a pencil beside it. He said he couldn't help himself. He knew that they would beat him for doing it. But he grabbed that piece of paper and that pencil and he wrote every verse of Scripture that he could fit on both sides of the paper. And he, as high as he could reach, he posted that on the column, the wet column in his cell. Well, of course, the guards soon found it. And they took him out. And they were beating him. They were saying, this is the last. This is it. We're going to execute you now. We are going to beat you to death. As they were starting down the hallway with him, they never even got out of the prison. As they were starting down the hallway, 1,500 voices rang out. The other prisoners stood with their arms raised facing the east, and they sang Dimitri's heart song that they had heard him sing all those years. The guards were dumbfounded. They backed off from him and said, Who are you? He said, I am a son of the King of the universe, and Jesus is His name. They took him back to his cell. And it was not long before he was released, went back to his family, who were well and still serving God. I've thought a lot of times about Dimitri's heart song, 
raising his hands every morning and singing, praising God. Even in the situation he was in, he was praising God. I spoke to you last week from the book of Ephesians on who do you think you are? Because in those first three verses, we talk about being in Christ and who we are in Christ. My friend, if you're going to make it through this world, you have to realize who you are in Christ. You are not who the devil says you are. You are not who the enemy says you are. You are not even who your friends say you are. You are who Jesus says you are. You are in Christ by faith in Him. This week, I want to speak to you about why do you think you're here? Why do you think you're here? That is from Ephesians 1, 13 through 14. Now, I don't know what translation you were holding when Kim was reading the Scripture this morning. That, by the way, was the NLT. It's now like the number seventh most popular uh, translation being used. But whatever translation you had in your lap and you were reading, you probably saw some huge words, theological words like predestination, election, Redemption, adoption, huge words that people usually, when they look, Grant, they look at Ephesians chapter 1, they focus on those theological terms. In fact, I would say to you that they have done so, Larry, to the point that they have built theological castles on those words. And they are important words, but that's not what the chapter is all about. Let me show you something. In chapter, three, in chapter 1, verse 3, he introduces what it's all about. All praise to God. And then, three different times, he repeats that. So we praise God. Chapter 1, verse 6. Then we bring praise and glory to God. And yes, I made a mistake. That's... Chapter 1, verse 12. Then in chapter 1, verse verse 14, He did this, everything He's talking about, Kelly, all those theological castles that we want to build, every single one of them, He did those things so that we would praise and glorify Him. It's really all about praising God. So why are you here? Why are you here? It's so that you can live your life to the praise and the glory of Jesus Christ. That's really what Ephesians chapter 1 is all about. Now, I'm glad, John, that all those terms are there. But that's not what it's for. That's what we're to praise God for. But the point, what is your life all about. It's not just a matter of understanding theology. Jamie, if if we understand theology but we never praise God, what good are we? We are here to praise God. You say, why is this going on in my life? I'm really going through it right now. Well, I don't know. Are you going through it like Dimitri did in the Russian prison? 
How did he react? Even on the worst day, he remembered the scriptures he had memorized and he got up every morning and he sang to the glory of God. It doesn't matter how we're doing, under what circumstances we're living. We were put on this earth to praise God, to praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he's... He says that very clearly in the verse four different times. And what I see then in the verse, understanding that, Tony, that's what it's all about. It's praising God. Then you see all those words and all the things that he's done is seven reasons to praise God. First of all, we praise God because He chose us in Christ to be holy and blameless. It says, even before He made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes. Understanding, He chose us in Christ. He did not choose individuals, He chose Christ. It's like he, He's looking for a plan, and the plan is Jesus. And so, if you are in Christ, you have become a part of His plan. Now, I, I've read a lot about um, foreign election, about Calvinism, and I think one of the best illustrations I've heard of that, and I can't find who, origina who this originated with. I've tried. But someone said that the foreknowledge of God and the free will of man are like a railroad track. When you stand there, you can see two rails. As you look in the distance, it appears that those come together. But you know they never cross one another. The sovereignty of God never violates the free will of man. The free will of man never violates the sovereignty of God. You say, I'm chosen. How did, you describe, how did you discover that? You discovered it by finding Jesus Christ and trusting in Him. I did find the origin, Charles, of this quote. Uh, Dr. Harry Ironside is quoted as saying that a lost sinner comes to the door of the gospel of Jesus Christ. By the way, that's Jesus Christ Himself. He is the door. He comes to the door and the sign on the door says, Whoever will may come. And he makes the decision to repent of his sins and follow Christ. He steps through the door of salvation. As he closes the door behind him, Dr. Ironside said, there's a sign on the other side that says, Chosen. The elect. Chosen of God. If you have trusted in Christ, you are a part of the, cho of the chosen but understand that that is because you are in Christ. He chose us in Christ to be holy and to be blameless. A sinner comes to the door, sees whosoever. On the other side, it says chosen. I need you to understand, you are not unloved. Ever feel that way? Neglected, rejected, discouraged, 
defeated, I need you to understand God loves you. No matter what you've been through, no matter where you are right now, God loves you and He wants you to be saved. He is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's chosen you in Christ. And for that, you can praise God. Amen? Praise God because He chose us in Christ. Then the second reason to praise God is that He planned a way to adopt us through Christ. Ephesians 1 verse 5 says, God decided in advance to adopt us into His own family by bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. Now, in other translations, this word, this phrase, decided in advance, is the word predestinated. He predestined us to the adoption of sons. That predestination, we need to understand, that is to make a plan ahead of time. That is to decide in advance. Gail, that means that, that God the Father decided in advance that Christ the Son would die for our sins and that in Him we could have the adoption of sons. Now some people have built their castle on that word, predestination. And they understand that it means God chose me and He predestined me and I had no other choice but to be saved because He predetermined that I would be saved. That is not what the phrase means. By the way, did you ever hear anybody said God predestined me to be lost and go to hell? Well, duh. And by the way, the terms election, chosen, predestination are never used in the Scripture at all for anybody except people who would be saved. He didn't predestine anyone to be lost. He's not willing for that. God made a plan. He has done everything that needs to be done. His plan is for you to be saved. Listen, you want to know what God wants for your life? You want to know why you're here? It is to live to the praise and the glory of God. And He wants you to be saved. But He will not jerk you through the door. He will not force you into His will. You have to choose. You have to be broken. You know, yes, we'd love to have you as a member of our church. But I'm not looking for members who come and say to me, you really need me. I've got a lot to offer this church. And you really need me. I'm looking for people Jerry, that come and fall on their knees and say, I'm a sinner, and I need Jesus, and I need this church. That's the kind of members that we want. Listen, God has made a plan. He has made a plan in advance so that you and I can be adopted as sons. That, that term adoption means to legally make one a son or a daughter. You begin the adoption. Some people confuse the idea of adoption with the new verse. But, Joyce, that's, 
the new birth is the beginning of the adoption. You become a son of God, a daughter of God, if you will. You become a child of God when you are born again by the Spirit of the living God. John chapter 3, uh, Jesus said to that Jewish leader Nicodemus, uh, except you be born again, you'll not see the kingdom of God. You must be born again. He talks about being born of the water. That's the physical birth. And then being born of the Spirit. That spiritual birth, that new birth by the Holy Spirit, is the first step in the adoption. But Romans chapter 8 also speaks about the adoption when Jesus comes and our bodies are renewed and made like His glorious body. One of my favorite passages of Scripture it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but when He appears, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Praise God, the adoption. God made a plan, and you are a part of that plan. This, I love it where it says in verse, the end of verse 5 and the beginning of verse 6, this plan, this adoption... This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. I love that. So, we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. I like that. This is what he wanted to do. And he rejoices. The parable of the sheep that when the lost sheep is found, when the lost coin is found, when the lost son returns, there is celebration, there is joy, there is celebration in the presence of the angels because this is what he wanted to do and it brings him great pleasure. Friend, when you surrender your life to Christ, when you do what he wants you to do, then as you praise Him, it pleases Him. Make sure you're pleasing God. The third thing, uh, seven reasons we've got to praise God, and I've got to hurry because there's seven of them. Uh, <clears throat> he purchased our freedom by the blood of Jesus Christ. Verse 7, He is so rich in kindness and grace, rich in grace, that He purchased our freedom with the blood of of His Son, and forgave our sins. I talked about big words. That, the big word in this one is redemption, where it says He purchased our freedom. That is the word translated in, in other translations as redemption. That word redemption means to go into the marketplace and to buy a slave in the marketplace by paying the price that's demanded for him but then to set him free. There's actually three different Greek words that, that are translated redemption. And what I just said to you sums up all three words. To go into the marketplace, to buy a slave in the marketplace, to loose him, to set him loose, to set him free. And because we have been redeemed, that is, he died for our sins a substitutionary death 
substitutionary atonement, the theological term, He died for us. He paid the price of our sins. We don't have to pay it. We are forgiven on the basis of what He did for us. Then the fourth reason to praise God is that He lavished us with His grace. Now, in NLT, Ephesians 1.8 says, He has showered His kindness on us. In the ESV, it says, In Him we have redemption. That's the purchase of our freedom. Through His blood, there is no freedom, there is no forgiveness, there is no redemption without the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Listen to me. That's why He is the only way of salvation. Nobody else could pay that price that He paid for us. The forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. And I love this, that He lavished on us. He lavished His grace on us. I was trying to think, how do you, how do you explain lavishing on someone? Well... Nancy, I thought about Brenda with our first child. You know how you are with your first child? You know, you, you baby them and pamper them and, and do everything in the world for them. When the second and third comes along, Charlotte, you just sort of sling them on your hip and, and the diaper bag on your shoulder. And they get, they're lucky if they get changed every once in a while, you know? Right? Come on, Mom. But with the first child, you lavish attention on them. I would get so tickled at Brenda. Of course, we were just thrilled with Shelly, our, our first child. She was so cute. And, and so when Brenda would have to clean her up, she had a ritual that she went through. I, I still remember that. She had a ritual that she went through of cleaning that cute little bottom, you know, and and the oil, and the powder, and all of that. And if she, Charlotte, if she didn't get it just right, she would clean her up and start all over again. Tim didn't get that lavishing, by the way. <laughs> but Cindy, I think about that lavishing love, and, and the ointment, and, and, and all that she did, she lavished it on our baby daughter. Don, God has lavished His grace on us. Man, He's poured it out. He's rubbed it in. He has anointed us with grace. There is enough grace for all our needs, all our sins. He has lavished us with grace. And we ought to lavish Him with praise. That's why we're here. That's what our life is all about. Living, working, teaching, breathing, traveling. Everything we do, we need to lavish our God with praise. That's why we're here. He talks about lavishing with grace. That is the undeserved favor of God. That is a gift that you cannot earn. Every time I stand up here, I want to make sure that I present the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who need to hear it. So listen to me just for a minute. If you've never trusted Christ as Savior, and you want to be good enough, 
You, you want to do something to be saved? You cannot. All you can do is accept the free gift that God offers in His Son, Jesus Christ. He died for your sins. You can't earn it. You can only receive it. But the way to receive it is to receive the Son as Savior. Eternal life, the gift of salvation, is in the Son. That's the way God planned it. That's the way He prepared it. That's how He predestined it. Decided ahead of time that it's in the Son. And He wants you to be saved. He loves you. He has a gift for you. A gift you cannot earn. Fifth reason that we need to praise God, we ought to praise God, is that He has revealed to us His plan and His purpose through Jesus Christ. God has now revealed, verse 9, has revealed to us His mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill His own good pleasure. Tony, there it is again. His good pleasure. He is pleased when we trust Christ. He is pleased when we glorify Him. And He has a purpose, and it was, it's a mystery through the ages. Jerry, the prophets wanted to understand it, and they really didn't until Jesus came, and the plan and the purpose of God was revealed in and through Jesus Christ. And we praise God. I'm glad I understand. I'm glad He's revealed it to us. We can know God's plan because we can know the Son. He says, and this is the plan. At the right time, He will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth. You know what that means? That means that through Christ, God will totally reclaim this creation Jonathan, the creation that's been damaged by sin, Christ, God through Christ, will make it new again. Will make it perfect again. That means that everything that is spoiled by sin will be made new. Everything bent will be straightened. Everything broken will be put together again. For this, you can praise God. We have a glorious promise and a glorious future in Jesus Christ. When things get tough here in the here and now, just remember what God has planned for you and praise God. We are here, Wanda, to praise God. That's the reason for our existence. That's why you're in that chair right now, is to praise God. Then, number six, He gave us an inheritance in Christ. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, that is, God the Father. We have an inheritance. That is an inheritance that no one can contest or take away from us. It is reserved in heaven for us. It is an inheritance, the Bible says, that will not fade away. It is an inheritance for those who have been adopted into the family of God through faith in Jesus Christ. You have an inheritance. You feel poor? You feel you have, to, have had to do without? 
Now, some of us feel like we're richer than we deserve. Amen? Oh, come on. I didn't get a single amen out of that. But we have an eternal inheritance from God that is greater than any riches that anyone on this earth will ever know. And for this, we praise God. Number seven, finally. The one everybody's been looking for. Number seven, the last one. That is that He identified us as His by giving us His Spirit. Verse 11, And when you believed in Christ, He identified you as His own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom He promised long ago. I've talked about this before. I mentioned it, in fact, in the sermon last week, that we are sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, that when you believe, the Holy Spirit of God moves into you, and that is your identifying mark. I talked last week about different clothes that the people wore in Kenya to identify their religion. It is the Holy Spirit inside you, and the fruit of the Spirit that He brings that identifies you as belonging to Christ. The Spirit of, is God's guarantee that He will give us the inheritance He promised and that He has purchased us to be His own people. Listen, it's in Christ that once you heard the truth and believed this message of your salvation, you found yourselves home free. I like this. This is the message, by the way. Signed, sealed, and delivered. Amen. I like that. Signed, sealed, and delivered. Who are you living for? Why are you here? I need you to understand. You're here to praise God. That's the purpose of your life. That's more important than theological castles. It's, it has to be and needs to be a lifestyle of praise. That wherever we are, whatever we're doing, we react to the praise of God. This week I was in uh, my primary care physician's office. I'm, I'm, having, I'm learning that. I always thought it was a general practitioner, but primary care physician's office. Charles, he has an old-fashioned office on purpose. He liked, he's got all these antiques and posters. And uh, Karen, he, he had a poster on his wall. I'm sitting there looking at it, and I don't have hip trouble yet, but it was a diagram of a hip joint on how the, hip, the, the human hip joint worked. And I sat there, Alice, looking at that, and I thought, wow, it must have taken billions of years of evolution for that hip joint to develop and work like that. And I sat there looking at that and I just began to praise God. God spoke and the hip joint came into being. Something unimaginable. Listen, it doesn't matter where you are. There's plenty of, to praise God about. Are you living a life of praise to God. That's why you're here. That's really what it's all about. Understand the theology, sure. But it's a waste to understand the theology and not glorify God. We're here to praise 
Him.